0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. And welcome into another edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast. I'm your host, George Schusterman. Joined, wow, this is exciting. We finally have the band back together. Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo are both here. Jonathan, welcome back, my friend. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. I hope your your travels were uh, as extravagant as as Jim's travels when he was he was gone. Uh, did you have a, you have a nice time?
1: I had a wonderful time. Uh, we we were in the Netherlands, uh, Amsterdam area.
0: Wow, that's well, that is very very exciting.
1: So we can do the the honkball pipeline podcast.
0: Oh my goodness! All right, nice. We'll have to get a uh, Vladimir Ballantine as a uh, as a guest. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, but until then, uh, you are here to to do some some um, some regular pipeline, uh, podcast. And Jim, Jim, he- hello, hello w- w- welcome back to the show as always.
2: Yep, I've been on here a few weeks in a row, uh, staying put in uh, in the Chicago suburbs right now. No no big travel on, in, in the future, so nothing exotic like. Uh, all my big travel was back in July.
0: Yes, but uh, you both have uh, some travel coming up in the next month or so, which because. Big news. Oh, that was good, right? That was very professional. Haven't haven't lost it just yet. Uh we are are fortunate enough to finally be able to see the rosters for the Arizona Fall League, uh, which is always an exciting time because we get to see how many you know prospects are, are mixed and matched on different teams? Um, Twenty of the current top 100 MLB pipeline prospects will be attending Arizona Fall League. Hopefully, of course, uh, as you mentioned uh, earlier, Jim. You know the, the rosters could change a little bit, but uh, Jonathan, I'll start with you since we haven't heard from you for a few weeks. Initial reactions to the to the to the crop of prospects. Any guys you're surprised to be seeing, or, or one name that sticks out that you're especially excited to see?
1: Um. So I would say over overall it's a really strong, I think, I feel like it's a, a really strong crop. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of top 20 guys, uh, top 100 guys, sorry, 20 overall. Um, you know, so I think that's, you know, start from top to bottom to some, some really good guys. If I'm going to, I'm going to pull a Jim and I'm going to pick the two guys I'm most excited to see. And one is Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners, because why not? Uh, I mean, to have an 18-year-old who is just a ridiculous hitter uh, and a guy that we haven't really had a chance to see uh, at all. Uh, maybe maybe we caught a glimpse of him in the spring training if we were lucky, but I have not seen him play. And the other is O'Neill Cruz, just because uh, he's a six-foot-six shortstop, and uh, I've never seen him play. And uh, other than, I think, an inning of the a, of, of a spring training game, but uh, like to, to see those two, I think those are the two guys that really stood out that I'm really excited and happy that they're there. And that's, you know, it's a sign of like really young and Latino players, too, that, you know, that over the last couple of years, the, the Fall League has been doing more and more of that. But to have guys like of that age already in the Fall League, I think it's going to be really exciting.
0: And uh, Jim, before before I go to you, uh, first of all, I, I would, Jesse Sanchez had an excellent story on on O'Neill Cruz, which I recommend uh, checking out uh, because it's it's great. And and Jonathan's love for O'Neill Cruz is is very uh, legitimate. And before I go full uh, Mariners bias on Julio Rodriguez, I, I want to ask a broad question: What is the history of eighteen year olds in the Arizona Fall League? Uh, I believe Bryce Harper was one of them, but it's it's pretty rare. Is that is that fair to say, Jim?
2: Yeah, I want to say I don't think there have been too many guys that young was Glaver Torres 18 I think he might have been 19 uh, when he was MVP a couple years ago back in 2016 I think he was the MVP and he was 19 years old um so I don't think it's happened too often I know uh you know Bryce I'm looking at this would have been yeah, he would have been 18 Bryce might have been the youngest there was um Michael De Leon was in the He might have been 17 with the Rangers. He wasn't a top top prospect, but like I want to say, Michael De Leon. Yeah, Michael De Leon was 17 when he was in the league in 2014. So I think he was the youngest. But it's it's pretty rare.
1: What about um the uh, I'm sorry the the Padres reliever
2: Andres Munoz? I think he he was 18. I think I think he was 18.
0: Right and and I would say I mean I know we all would love to have Wander Franco in this league but Julio, Julio Rodriguez is only uh, 3 months older than Wander Franco so you know it's 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 a decent consolation prize uh but Jim uh we'll, we'll go to you if you had to, you can pick out a couple names since Jonathan uh, you know dubbed picking multiple guys a uh, a uh, you clearly so uh what what do, what do you got there were some names to jump out to you
2: I would have done it anyway of course but uh no I mean I guess the two guys I'm most interested in are, are two guys who not that you're going to prove a lot in the fall league, but two guys who have a lot to prove a lot more to prove now than they did going into the season. Um, the first guy would be Royce Lewis, who was number one overall pick in 2017. And, you know, had a very nice seat for first full pro season a year ago as a 19 year old, you know, did very well in high A and this year he struggled. He, he didn't do well in high A. He got promoted to double A. He's, he's not putting up numbers really there either. And, and you, you talk to scouts and he's made some swing changes. I don't know if he's trying to hit for more power, but right now, you know, Royce Lewis, who's still a very good prospect, is batting 239 with a 291 on base percentage and a 374 slugging percentage. So I kind of want to see what's going on with him. And then on the pitching side, same thing. A year ago, you know, number two prospect in the league, and the best pitching prospect in baseball was Forrest Whitley. I, I think at this point we all thought he'd be ensconced with the Astros. Instead, he, he's had some minor injuries. He's battled his command, and he's had a terrible year. I mean, he he's got an eight six oh ERA uh, 52 innings, 39 walks, 75 strikeouts. He's been better recently, but you know, a year ago, he was showing you, you know, four plus or better pitches, had no problems throwing strikes in the fall league. And he's been kind of a mess for a lot of this year. So I, so those are the two guys I'm interested to see what exactly is going on with Royce Lewis and Forrest Whitley and, and should there be some concern there?
0: And one thing I noticed about looking at the the rosters, at least at a first glance, is is how many repeats we have. Uh, Of course, some because of injury, like you mentioned, Forrest Whitley. Uh, and I guess Nico Horner, another one uh, with the Cubs, who I, I think he also had uh, an injury this year. So he he definitely had bats. But uh, some some repeat guys, uh, do, is is it normally just they happen to have had an injury and then you want to send them back to 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 get some extra at bat? Or do you think there's any other reason you might see a, a second bout in the fall league? Uh, Jonathan, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: I mean, it, it, I think hmm. it's usually because a guy gets hurt or maybe, you know, he regressed. um Sometimes, you know, speaking generally, there's a position change. So a guy went one year and he's playing third and, and then he goes back second year because they're having him play first or a corner outfield spot, um, that sort of thing. But I think those are usually the only the only reasons when you see, you know, a repeat. You know, a guy like Forrest Whitley, I think, is a perfect example. He, he missed a lot of time and then he really struggled. So the combination of those two things, made sense for him to come and <clears throat> try to get himself – uh Sort of headed back in the right direction. Like uh, now,
0: right? Jim, I, I'm curious. I, I know obviously there's there's a lot to, to pick from of these these 20 top 100 prospects. Um, but looking around at the other teams, one of the one of the cool things about the fall league that I always like is that they're they're the teams are basically different every season. So you have a different mishmash of prospects on 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 each team. Uh, is there any team that stands out to you as as especially uh, loaded? I'm not sure which one has the most top 100 prospects. Um, but is there one that the one roster that looks uh, deep, or one that you, you're going to be excited to watch specifically?
2: You know, I think they're fairly balanced. I didn't tally it. I mean, you know, Mesa, I guess, stands out with three of the top 50 prospects in, in Joe Adele and Nolan Jones and Nika Horner. Uh, but you know, you know, just looking at this, I don't think there's one team. You know, sometimes you'll see a team that has like six, you know, top 100 guys. Looks like Surprise has you know three or four. Like, I I think it's pretty balanced. So, I don't know if there's necessarily a team that I'm, you know, especially geared up to see, honestly. Like, it it is a nice balance. I mean, I guess if I have to pick one, I pick Salt River. I mean, I mentioned Royce Lewis. You also get Alex Karloff. Shane Boz is a guy who who kind of fascinates me, you know, Seth beers on that team. And, and he's still somewhat polarizing in scouting circles, but has had a really nice year. So I guess they'd be one team that, that stands out. And I mean, but you could easily say, I mean, Peoria, you, you I mentioned Forrest Whitley, you got Jerry Kelnick. you guys mentioned Julio Rodriguez, O'Neal Cruz is on that team. So, I mean, I, I really think that this is, if we're going to make pronouncements, bold pronouncements here on the podcast, like this might be as many top 100 guys as I remember in the league. At, at a time, at least on the initial rosters, and maybe they're spread out better than ever, which is just more coincidence than anything. But, uh, you know, I think you go to any ballpark. I mean, if these rosters hold, you're going to be able to see, you know, between the two teams, probably, you know, six or seven top 100 prospects at any given time.
0: And Jonathan, uh, I know the Arizona Fall League is normally more hitter heavy in terms of the prospects. And you can tell uh, by looking at the, the 20 guys uh, out of the top 100, I believe only three of them are pitchers. Uh, if I'm seeing this correctly, for Daniel Lynch of the Royals and Shane Baas, who Jim just mentioned. So let's give some love to some pitchers that we might be seeing down in Arizona. Uh, any of those three? I mean, Jim talked about Whitley already, but between Lynch and Ba, or maybe some some of the other arms that we might be seeing down there, any, any pitchers you're you're excited to see?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Lynch, the, the two very different pitchers, the two other top 100 guys. Uh, I, I, I'm excited to see Lynch uh, because I think had he – not gotten hurt, um, I don't know that he'd be going, you know, just because of the innings. And he probably would have made it up to double A. <clears throat> he, he uh, you know, he, he pitched well, you know, in, in the Carolina League once he, he came back. Uh, he seems fine, so he's making up for lost things. I think, you know, he's this kind of guy who carves up hitters, and I think he, he will do well in the fall league uh, because he keeps hitters off balance. Uh, Shane Baz is interesting because – I'm a little surprised to uh, you know to see a guy who's only been in low a. Granted he's been very good. Uh, but he hasn't reached his innings limit. Uh, I'm guessing if they want to try to get him up to like close to one hundred innings, he's at seventy five right now. so I, I think it's great. i I can't remember a time where you had a guy sort of at this stage of his development um, in terms of like what levels he's he's pitched at uh, go to the fall league. So I think it'll be interesting. It'll be a a good learning experience to see how he fares against a, a much higher level of, of hitter than he's faced so far.
2: I wonder if part of sending him there, Jonathan is because, you know, this is his third year of pro ball. You know, the, he's with two organizations that handle high school pitchers very carefully. Yeah. You know, he spent his first year, first two years in pro ball, in rookie ball. So he hasn't pitched a lot of innings. You know, he's, he is 20, Um, so I wonder if that's part of it too. You know, they didn't send him to full season ball until May this year. They avoided the notorious cold weather in the Midwest league for the first month. So I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that this was part of the developmental plan for him all along to build up his innings. And now what is his third season in pro ball?
1: Yeah. But uh, which, which I get, but it, it still is. Yes. I know it's his third season, but he's, he's not pitched above the Midwest league. Um, you know, so, I mean, there aren't, I don't know what other opportunities there would have been, what they could send him to Australia, I guess. Um, you know, like, I don't, you know, there aren't that outside of instructs, uh, which the Rays, I don't remember how much they do or don't do. Like, there may not be that many opportunities for him to get extra innings. It'll be a really good test for him. And it'll be exciting to to, to see him because he clearly took a step forward, you know, in his first year with the the Rays, Um but he only's made 16 starts, so um, that, that it'll be fun to, to see him throw.
0: A couple of pitchers that, that stand out to me, and this is kind of putting you guys in the spot here. And forgive me, uh, which which one of you guys does the Mets list, or is that Mike? Because that would be funny. That's Mike. Oh well, there you go. Well, I'm still gonna. I'm. Still That's okay. I
1: did I did the Mets a year ago, so I can pretend like I'm well versed.
0: So honestly, uh, this this are the Mets traded uh, two of their best pitching prospects in Anthony K and Simeon Woods Richardson to the Blue Jays for Marcus Strowman, but they are sending i arguably i guess they their two next best pitching prospects in David Peterson and Thomas Sabuki. Uh so those guys kind of stand out for me as seeing like all right well we traded away Kay and, and Richardson but but are these guys maybe the next guys that we could see at the big league level with the Mets? Jonathan, do you have any thoughts on those two?
1: Yeah, I mean I I mean I think Peterson is is definitely knocking on the door. Uh you know, he was in Double-A this year and was just okay. Um He's over a hundred innings uh, after having a really good first full season. So I think this could be a stepping stone. Uh, I'm guessing the Mets are hoping that he'll contribute next year uh, at some point, and this could help him get ready for that. So I think there, you know, there's, you know, the reason for that. So Pucky is, you know, incredibly frustrating just because he missed, you know, he missed all of 2018 uh, he had a shoulder impingement that, you know, sort of forced him off the field for some of 17. So he's just not pitched a lot, but he still made it up to double a this year. He's had a, you know, a good year, but he's only thrown 61 innings. So I think, you know, he's making up for innings and again, sort of getting him back on schedule. He's, he's, he's only 23 still, but, uh, you know, it, it it's two left handers who I think they're hoping can contribute. You know, I could see Peterson maybe being given a shot early on. Obviously, depending on what's going on at the big league level, because they have stacked <clears throat> rotation and Sapuki, so if he stays healthy, could be ready to contribute the second half. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah, you know, looking at pitchers, you know, and you're right. You know, as we talked about, you know, teams usually don't send pitchers there unless they've missed some time with a, with a non arm injury or, or, or whatever, suspension, whatever. But a couple of the teams I covered that have some interesting pitchers going there, the, the Red Sox are sending their two best pitching prospects, Brian Mata and Tanner Halk. Uh, you know, Mata made a lot of strides this year. Uh, Halk could wind up in Boston's bullpen next year, although I think some of the people in their organization still look at him as a starter. Um, you know, Mata was a guy who was in the Futures game two years ago. And then the Dodgers are sending a lot of quality arms. You know, Mitchell White has got electric stuff when he's on. Uh, Gerardo Carrillo is a guy with a mid nineties fastball with heavy sink. And then they got Marshall Kosowski who relies almost solely on his heater. And it's like 92-97, and it seems like it rises at the plate. It's, it's got that illusion. And he's averaged almost 15 strikeouts per nine innings throughout his pro career. So he'll he'll be another interesting one to watch. Those are are some of the teams that I cover where I I, I bore down on their pitchers. Um, and they have some interesting arms that are that are going there.
0: All right, we're gonna do do a little bit of rapid fire here before we move on to our se- second topic of the day. I'm just gonna throw out some data that I see on the rosters here that are, that are very intriguing. Uh, Jonathan, I'm gonna hit you with the trio of outfielders, and you can you can pick uh, the one that you're most intrigued to see. All right, he he, he can. He's, can you say
2: none if he hates them all? Can he go? Yeah, to I was
0: gonna say that that does not sound. I don't hate anybody. That's you. You're the hater,
2: Jim. Gotta be honest.
0: Uh, all right, I'm going to the to the Glendale outfield. Uh, which includes, uh, of course, Pipeline podcast, friend of the friend of the podcast, Dylan Carlson. But I'm not as interested in him because he's been amazing. He was just named Texas League Player of the Year, so we know he's going to be awesome. Um, but a couple other high draft picks uh, here. Stuart Fairchild, second rounder from the Reds, and then three first rounders uh, from 2017 and 2016. Jaron Kendall of the Dodgers, Tristan Lutz of the Brewers, and Blake Rutherford of the White Sox, all guys who've kind of had some up and down pro careers, uh, still some stuff to prove any of those guys to see if they can kind of take a step forward and, and, and reestablish their prospect status.
1: Um, <laughs>
2: Jonathan, he <laughs> hates all three guys. So
1: <laughs> I don't hate all three guys. I do not. Um, can I pick Dylan Carlson still? Uh, no, I, you know what? I uh, and maybe it's just because I've talked to Blake Rutherford a few times uh, over over the last couple of years, and I, I like talking to him. Um, that I am I am hoping that he does well. Uh, the problem is that the power has just not shown up at all, nor has any real semblance of plate discipline. Like last year, he looked like he took like a and Jim does the White Sox list so but I felt like he he took like a moderate step forward I'm like okay maybe he's starting to figure things out he's still young you know he's only 22 which is funny to me because when he was drafted everyone you know was always old you know the whole ageism thing with high schoolers but he's not driving the ball so I'm Maybe the fall league will give him some confidence if he can get going. You mentioned before how it's a hitter friendly league, but if he can do well there, even if he goes back to double to A, uh, maybe it can click a, a little bit for him. Uh, so, of those three, that would be the guy that I'm like, I want to sort of quietly root for when I'm out there. I won't. I'm not without rooting for them. I was just going to. That wasn't them. very rapid fire, by the way. Sorry. I, I would pick Tristan Lutz there. I do
2: the other two organizations, and Jaren Kendall's a guy I thought was a steal in the draft a couple of years ago, and he hasn't hit either. So I, I will, I will chime in with Tristan Lutz if I have to pick as to which guy I'm most optimistic about among those three.
0: And then we'll do, we'll do one more uh, uh, potpourri of. I'm looking around. I'm looking around. I'm seeing. Okay, let's talk about Peoria here, and uh, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you about any Mariners now, Jim. You did just mention a few Red Sox pitchers, uh, but we'll be seeing Jaron Duran in the in the folly who we also saw uh, at the futures game so jaron duran who we definitely talked a lot about uh going into the futures game hudson potts is is is, i've always found him Uh, interesting he was a first rounder and then uh uh, another another padres uh prospect luis campesano who's really come on uh, this year in the california league so any of those guys uh stand out to you uh campesano a, a high school catcher pick uh from a few years ago which is always kind of a, a dicey profile uh any of those and then, then, then we'll go to you jonathan we'll give you more time to, to pick between this this group
2: so you should you should have gone owen miller and then you would you would have confronted me with three guys who who i really like who are not on the top 100 list
0: mm. um okay well i'll throw, but, go ahead we can throw Owen miller in there i'm altering we'll your question
2: more. i yeah, to, to me, it's tough because Camposano is a guy who I've had people ask me, why isn't he on the top 100? People in baseball say, you know, that guy should probably be knocking on the door to your top 100 prospects list. Um, and he's pretty close. He had a really nice year. made a lot of strides offensively and defensively in the Cal League. So I would probably pick him. Other than the flip side of it is, Jaren Duran, you mentioned the Futures game. I don't know too many guys who are seventh round pick one year in the Futures game the next year. And he's already reached double A and he's hitting 307 with with 44 steals and 35 extra base hits. And then Owen Miller is another guy from last year's draft who the Potteries have pushed very aggressively. And he's had no trouble hitting, you know, handling double A um, while playing a, a you know, variety of positions. So I, I think all three of those guys are potential top 100 guys for next year. But if I had
1: to pick just one of them, I would pick Luis Camposano. You offered up three like really interesting and good guys to Jim and you offered up three very kind of meh guys to me. That was very harsh. Yeah, I
0: think maybe it was maybe it was trying to to, to throw you back into the fire uh in, in unfair ways. I, I apologize.
1: I mean really uh, well no now don't apologize. I mean um yeah, I mean I I like all I like all of them. Uh I Less so Hudson Potts. I I would probably take Jaron Duran just because I'd like to see more of him. Uh, you know, for the for the reasons that Jim sort of laid out, just kind of under the radar guy who uh, jumped up, you know, with a, a really good performance in his first full full year and reaching the upper levels and kind of went from an interesting college performer to uh, really seemingly like a perhaps an everyday outfielder with a ton of speed. So it'll be fun to see him on a regular basis.
0: Right. And especially as a guy who, who you know, was torching the lower levels and then started to struggle once he hit double A. It will be nice to see him get extended looks against some advanced competition. All right. Uh, we could talk fall league forever. And obviously we will continue to over the next uh, month and a half or so. But uh, we do uh, want to get to some 2020 draft stuff because uh, last week, Jim and I talked about the top 15 high school uh, draft prospects for 2020. And then we also now got the top uh, college 2020 draft prospects, top 15. So uh, I know, I know we got, we got a little limited time here, but I do want to touch on some of these guys. So Jonathan, I will start with you uh, on this list. Um, what was what was the kind of process we, last week? We talked uh, about how this is seemingly a, a stronger uh, overall crop uh, than than in the past. But where where are the strengths and weaknesses of this college draft class that you that you see?
1: Yeah, this is always interesting. I like that Jim does this because over the summer. Um, I I'll see high school guys, especially with the PDP league, uh, you know, both Jim and I actually laid eyes on the high school guys for a longer period of time. I haven't seen, uh, any of these guys, uh, you know, any of the college guys, um, I think it's a good mix. Uh, you know, I still remain surprised when there are position college hitters near the top of the list. But again, there are, um, I think the guy that stands out to me, uh, and again, mostly because I remember from his high school days, is Garrett Mitchell um, from UCLA, uh, and and just especially because he's, he's a really good all around player. For me, he's the best all around player uh, in, in, in among this this crop. He can do a little bit of everything, um, and he's diabetic. At the same time, not that that well, it could impact his draft status because teams will want to make sure that. He's handling it, but he's been doing this for a really long time. He speaks very openly about it, and uh, I think it, it it makes him more intriguing.
0: Uh, and Jim, I mean, you you know, you put together and and when you compare, obviously, it's easy to compare draft classes. Uh, who who's one guy that you were surprised ended up as high on this list as you would have if you had you know tried to do this? You know, you guys do the 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 way too early 2020 mock draft, you know, literally the day after um, the draft. Uh, so who's, who's the guy your surprise ended up as high as he did when you put this list together.
2: There were two guys. Cause it's like, the, like when I did the high school list, we talked about last week, you know, the two guy, when we did the mock draft of 10 of 10 back in June, there were two high school guys on it. Pete Crow Armstrong and Dylan Cruz. I think Pete Crow Armstrong wound up at number six and Dylan Cruz wound up at number 15 on our revised high school list. Cause a lot changes with the high school guys and the college list for the most part held together, the eight guys who were on the mock top 10 are pretty much still on this list in roughly the same order, maybe some slight tweaking, but the, the two guys who, especially when I started making calls that I kept hearing, Hey, you need to have these two guys on your list. One was Nick Gonzalez of New Mexico state. He's the division one batting champ ranked second in ops, had a great year. And I think anybody who plays in New Mexico, there's always some skepticism, because of the altitude and how easy it is to hit those places, like how good the guy really necessarily is. Well, he made a run at the Cape Cod League Triple Crown. And so everybody buys in that, like, yeah, this guy's legit. It's a really good swing. He can hit. He's got raw power. He's a plus runner. Not a great defender. So he's probably going to stick at second. But like you're looking at a guy who could be uh, an impact offensive second baseman. So he was one, and the other one was a guy who um, just pitched three times this year. So he wasn't on my radar at all before he went out and had a very good uh, Cape Cod League summer. And that was Carmen Ludzinski. I have to work on pronouncing his name more fluidly uh, as the draft approaches. From South Carolina, um, you know, he has a five five nine ERA in two years of college, but in the Cape, he was up to ninety seven. His slider, you know, had power and depth. There's one of the better sliders in the Cape. He's got a cutter, a, a distinct cutter that's a good pitch as well. And I think, it, you know, if he can stay healthy next year and build all he did in the Cape, you know, th- that guy probably goes in the first round as well. So th- those were the two biggest surprises to me on doing the top 15. And and I will say, I kind of like doing these lists at the end of the summer. It, it kind of get, you know, I, I'm... I guess it's cool off a little bit now, but when I was working on them, you know, things had slowed down for us a little bit. Like I, I was getting kind of, you know, excited about the 2020 draft, which which might be our best draft in about nine years, you know, since that 2011 crop.
0: And so we'll, we'll wrap with one more question here uh, on this list. Uh, and I'll ask each of you to pick one guy outside of the top five that you could see going in the top 5 if everything goes right. So I know this is this is a tough toughest in here but but you know this is why you guys get paid the big bucks is to answer questions like these, okay? If pick someone outside of the top 5 that you could see being drafted in the top 5, Jonathan. Are you ready? Okay, Jim. <laughs>
1: I am not. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> i can go first that's okay. fine yeah. I mean, and we're always- the West, so now I'm, I'm picking one i need to deliberate please continue okay
2: so are we, are we are we are we picking a guy who's going as one of the top five college picks or one of the top five overall uh, picks? You, what, well what you-
0: actually you know what that's that's fair since, since it is such a deep high school crop I, that's probably unfair to, to push them all the way up to the top five so uh, among the top five picks like end up in, in the top five guys drafted
2: I will go, and it's not my alma mater bias. I will go with Cole Wilcox. It's not, and I'll tell you why. Because I'll go with Cole Wilcox at Georgia for two reasons. I think he he might have – you can argue that when he's on, he might have the best pure stuff of anybody on this list. Now, he's more raw. His command and his polish isn't as good as the other pitchers on this list, but he's reached 100 miles an hour. He can show you a plus slider. It can show you a plus change up And then additionally, if you're comparing to the other pitchers on this list, you know, Emerson Hancock had some physical issues and missed a couple starts last year. You know, JT Ginn had some physical issues. Tanner Burns had some physical issues. Blodzinski, like I mentioned, missed most of the year. Wilcox has got a cleaner bill of health. So I think he's got perhaps the most upward mobility, of anybody on this list.
0: All right. Well, Jonathan. Yeah. I mean, we we knew he was going uh, with the bulldog there. So. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah. Really. I mean, I didn't even know why you even asked him. Um. You could have just answered for him. Um. Uh, well, I want to know who you. I want to know who Jordan thinks
2: you're going to pick, Jonathan. Then. But before Jonathan picks, Jordan, there's nobody from my alma mater t- on this list. You 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 tell us who Jonathan's going to pick. Uh. Uh, will you believe me? I'll guess in my
0: head. I don't want to. I don't want to influence. I will him. be. I
1: will be honest with you. If you are right, it's not like I'll change just because. You
0: okay. Don't. Yeah. We we won't let you influence, Jonathan. Okay. I'm going to guess that
1: you are going to pick J T. Ginn. No. No. All right. I'm out. Um. I think the the arm issues are holding me back. I'm uh, I'm going to go with C J. Van. Ike, Ike. Um. And I better learn how to say his name if he is going to go that high. Uh, just because I think stuff wise, he's right there. If the if he takes a step forward in command, and we've all seen guys you know show up in their junior year and suddenly start commanding the ball better uh, because because of that stuff. Uh, if he's throwing more strikes, I think he'll he'll start creeping up.
0: That is a that is a, a respectable pick and uh, definitely definitely. I mean, again, we're gonna have to get back. V- we're also gonna have to be working on Mladzinsky. So. It's going to be tough. This is going to be a tough year for, for pronunciations. Uh, luckily, Asa Lacey is about as, as fun of a name as, as possible. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you, as always, uh, for joining me on this edition of the Pipeline Podcast. It's a pleasure uh, and, and and great to have us all back back on the pod together. Uh, for Jim Cowles and Jonathan Mayo, I'm your host, Jordan Trusterman, and we will talk to you guys next week.